Hello, Mark. Hello. Hello, it's Chris from Four Points Radio. Hello, how Chris. Are how are you doing? Very well. Um, first of all, can you tell us whereabouts you are and a little bit about yourself, please? Certainly. Well, I'm calling you from a very white and snowy uh, Chislehurst in Kent, which is just on the southeast side of London. Um, I'm originally from Northern Ireland, which the accent might give away. And in my day job, I am chief executive of a mission agency in the Anglican Church called Church Army and lead around uh, 500 uh, staff all over the UK and Ireland who seek to try and uh, bring the, the good news of Jesus Christ to people who'd never walk into a church. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to ask you a little bit more about yourself now. Sure. Um, what was it that in the main event in your life that brought you to your faith? And I'm talking with my hands for some reason. You're talking with your hands, you're gesticulating, uh, which yes. of course I don't have the privilege of seeing, and neither do your listeners. Um, great question. Do you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of people who think that, um, that unless they've got a particular day, minute, second, and hour to determine the very moment they decided to follow Jesus, then they really can't follow him at all. And, and I grew up in a, in a part of the UK, Northern Ireland, which is very fundamentalist Christian, and that was the view that the people had. And I always had real trouble, because I couldn't remember... Um, any defining huge Damascus Road moment that, that started me off on my Christian journey. I grew up in a family where God and Christianity and Jesus was part of my life from as long as I can remember. So I think I started following Jesus when I was about seven. My mother thinks I was about four. So I guess I'm going to have to wait till I get to heaven to find out when it really did happen. That's great. <laughs> um we first met you at Soul Survivor this uh, last year, actually, now, wasn't Indeed it? Indeed so. Um, what do you think of events such as that? Well, Soul Survivor, for those who, who, who don't know, is a, is a huge um, Christian festival. It's kind of like a Christian version of Glastonbury, I suppose. Um, and it meets in a, in a big field in, in um, Shepton Mallet. Um, and it's a, it's a fantastic event. You've got 30,000 uh, young people over, over three weeks who come... Um, and I always want to bring, I, I meet journalists in the course of my work all the time for, you know, the national press and BBC and Sky. And I always, they always keep telling me the church in Britain's dead. And I desperately say to them, well, would you come with me to Soul Survivor and, and stand in a tent with 10,000 teenagers um, who are worshipping God and dare to tell me that the church is dead in this country? I think it's a wonderful event. Any event that um, encourages young people um, in their faith, any event that encourages them to be excited about Jesus, any event that wants to help them see the gifts God has given them to change the world, it's got to be a good thing. And it's, I, I go for two or three of the weeks every year, and it's one of the highlights of my, my calendar, really. Not every meeting I get to go to is quite as exciting. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you for that. Um, just reading my sheet of questions. Um, during your talk at Soul Survive, you mentioned um, you're trying to make church more approachable and create like an uprising of young people. Would you mind explaining that to the listeners, please? I mightn't use the word uprising. It makes it sound like some sort of political revolution that I'm trying to create, and I wouldn't want that to happen, least of all being chief executive of an organization called Church Army. Um, <laughs> I think what I'd rather say is I, I was a youth worker for 10 years before they gave me this job, and... And I've spent my whole of my ministry trying to encourage young people to believe in themselves that they can make a difference. Um, Mahatma Gandhi put it that you should be the change you want to be in the world. And I've always encouraged young people that they should see how they can make a real difference. And, and so what, I'm, what I was trying to say was that, that 
the church needs to change, radically needs to change. Seven out of ten people in Britain will never have any relationship with the church on our current trends. Less than uh, 10% of British people are regularly attend church over the course of any given month. Um, more and more young people are opting out of faith. They're, they're deciding it's a lifestyle choice they don't want to make. Um, we need to change our church to make it more accessible and more real and more honest and more fun. And the best people to do that, I think, are not grey-haired, middle-aged people in purple clerical shirts. I think the best people are teenagers and young people with all of that energy in them. And so what I was encouraging in my seminar was that young people would opt in to trying to make our church more relevant and real for the 21st century. That's great, exactly. Um, uh, yeah. What is it then about the modern church that makes it so uninviting, do you think, to the younger people? Well, it's boring, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I mean, I stood up in a high, I stood up in a, I can say that, I'm a, I'm a senior leader in the church. I stood up in a high school in south-east London, not far from where I live, and I had a thousand teenagers in front of me, and I said, give me some words to describe the Church of England. And the first word that came roaring back at me was the word boring. And you know what? I had terrible trouble telling them they were wrong. Because I have sat through more services than I can currently remember where I have been bored to tears. And I'm thinking, I want to go home. And the person next to me says, you can't, you're the preacher. And, and if that's how I feel, and I'm a, a leader in the church, sometimes I get bored by church. Then what's that mean? You know, I always say to people, there's a... Church was designed to be the only club in the world that exists for the benefit of those who haven't yet joined. And we have made church a club for Christians. We understand the language. We understand the routine. We know when to stand up and when to sit down. We know which book to open at which point of the service. Anyone walking in off the street doesn't. I think the church has become boring. I think it's become dull. I think it's become bland. And I think it needs to go back to the Bible and see that, do you know what? This gets me in trouble when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. If when I read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I see a Jesus who was exciting and bold and radical and life-changing. He healed the sick. He fed the, the hungry. He raised the dead. Do you know what? It takes some serious skill to make Christianity boring. <laughs> but it yes. would seem we've done it. And I want to unbore the Christian church, really. That's, that's my mission in life, to make church more fun. And when I was a youth worker in, in Hertfordshire, just northwest of London, we doubled the number of young people in our church over, over a five-year period. We had over 100 coming. Um, and all we did was make church more fun. That's brilliant. So one other little thing. Sorry? One other little thing, I suppose I would say, is how many teenagers want to go to church at 9am on Sunday morning? <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, 9am is not a young person-friendly time, is it, really? No. And so that's another thing. Why do people, I, I often say to clergy at the conferences when they say, why do teenagers not come to our church? It's because it's usually locked when they're there. <laughs> so, yeah, we need to make church more fun. That's brilliant. Um, just got a couple of other questions. Sure. Um, which of Jesus' 12 disciples do you see yourself most like? Peter. Peter? Peter, who was called to be a leader. Uh, he had a phenomenally cool heart. He just loved Jesus. He would have done anything for him. But, I mean, he was the guy who jumped out of the boat and tried to walk on the water. Do you know, I always think, do you ever hear anyone preaching a sermon on Peter jumping out of the boat and walking on the water, right? They always say, because you know, we start to think, they always say, if only he kept his eyes on Jesus, he would have kept on the water. And I want to roar and say, if, if I'd been Peter, I would have shouted at the, all the other disciples in the boat, at least I got out of the boat. 
and I got three steps, how many did you get? And I identify with Peter because Peter had a tendency to open his mouth and think later, and that's exactly me, full of energy and enthusiasm, but sometimes I should uh, engage my brain before I open my mouth. Brilliant. Um, during times of need, what is your favourite Bible verse to turn to which gives you hope and comfort, would you say? That's a really tough question, because uh, there are about a hundred. Uh, I mean, the book of Psalms is, is one of my favourite books of the whole Bible, because uh, the book of Psalms, all human life is in there. You've got joy, you've got pain, you've got misery, you've got people's deep angst about where God was in, in the midst of bereavement and loss and, and terrible pain. My, uh, I, I'm, I'm quite young to be in the job I'm in. I was appointed when I was 30, and um, I've, I'm, I work in a church where most of the leaders are 20 years older than me. And therefore, I identify a huge amount with Joshua in the Old Testament, who had to follow Moses and, and, and lead the children of Israel. And he was way too young for the responsibility. And at the very beginning of the book of Joshua, in chapter 1 and verse 9, Joshua was clearly having a wobble. And, and God said to him, be strong and courageous and don't be afraid, because I'm the Lord your God and I'll be with you wherever you go. And that probably is the verse that I, if I'm having a wobble, is the one that I turn to the most. That's great. Thank you for that. Um, earlier, you mentioned that you've got quite a high-ranking job in the church, within the church. And um, uh, I know you work with the Bishop of Canterbury. What's it like knowing him and working with him? Well, the Archbishop of Canterbury is a, is a remarkably uh, amazing man, really. He's, he, within the British constitution, if you like, the Archbishop of Canterbury is a remarkably senior role. I mean, when... When, when a monarch is crowned, it's the Archbishop of Canterbury who crowns the monarch. Um, in the British pecking order, he's like two down from the Queen. Um, remarkably, he's a wonderful man, Dr. Rowan Williams. He's a, a Welshman. He's been in Archbishop of Canterbury now for six, no, seven years. Uh, he's one of the most godly, holy, uh, decent, um, approachable people I know. Uh, it's a privilege to work alongside him. And he has a real, he's just got a really deep love of God, really. And it shines out of him. And, and sometimes he, he, he doesn't get the best press uh, in the world. And that's unfortunate, because if the press knew the Rowan Williams I know, they'd, they'd give him a very different image, really. Uh, I brought him to my youth group when I was a youth worker. And I put him in a room with the best part of 200 young people on a Friday night. And he had them eaten out of his hand. And he just mm -hmm. talked about how his faith had impacted and changed his life. He, he also has, I mean, quite honestly, I mean, he has probably got one of the most difficult jobs in the world. He, he leads the Anglican Communion across 70 million people across uh, the world. And um, it's uh, a community of Anglicans, which, of course, as many of your listeners will know, is, is divided by questions of whether women can be bishops or not, or whether what, 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 what the church thinks about gay people, and, and, and you've got radically different views from America and Africa, and he's got to try and hold that all together. It's, it's, it's a remarkably challenging job, and I, I think the world of him and love him to bits. That's brilliant. Thanks for that. Um, and I think we've just got one final question for you before we go, and let you okay. get back to your evening. Um, what's your favourite worship song? And... Um, if you if you choose a song which we don't have in our thing, you beat the DJ, which is basically a little thing we've got running. Oh, really? With all of our guests, I'm afraid you don't win anything. But oh, okay. Well, uh, you get well, bragging see, rights. I, I I could be a pedant and say I'm not sure I want to answer the question. Do I have a favorite worship song? Because I'm not sure worship songs are designed for me. 
um, two kids came walked out of my youth group one night, and uh, one of them turned to the other and said, I didn't get much out of the worship tonight. And the other one turned right and goes, I didn't know it was for you. And I suppose I worry sometimes if we've made worship very consumerist and very, oh, that's a better song than that song. Um, but if you push me to which one I f- engage with God the most through, um, I'm going to be a politician and say I've got two. Um, there's the ancient hymn, um, Oh Lord my God, when I am awesome wonder, um, consider all the work thy hand have done, you know, how great thou art. That's that hymn from yeah. Russia. And the other one comes from my native Northern Ireland, um, which was written by a man called Robin Mark, who's a, a guy I know um, from my childhood. And he wrote a song called Jesus All for Jesus, All I Am and Have and Ever Hope to Be. And the refrain of that goes, For all of my ambitions, hopes and plans, I surrender those into your hands, for it's only in your will that I am free. Um, and if you push me, that's probably the one I would pick. That's brilliant. Can um, I just pull, say, to, say one other little thing? Yes. Um, which is, I would really encourage your listeners, if they're listening, and they're interested in the Christian faith, or they, they're, they're not sure um, what it's all about, my organization is on Monday launching a new website called nowachristian.org, and it's a 30-day little um, thing that will drop into your inbox every morning uh, with a series of questions that will help you uh, discover who Jesus is and help you discover what it, the faith means and allow you to work it out for yourself. It's not dogmatic. It's not in your faith. It's, it's an interactive website that you can go and explore that helps you discover more of what God uh, thinks of you because he loves you to bits. And so I would encourage your listeners to have a wee look at uh, nowchristian.org on Monday when it goes live. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that. My well, pleasure. Thanks for having me on, on your show tonight. It's been a good to connect with you again. That's great. Thank you very much, and we hope to speak to you again sometime. Anytime. God bless you. Have a great evening. And you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.